Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Knute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have details on a series of webinars being hosted by Keystone Agricultural Producers. Also, food professor Dr. Sylvain Charlebois will stop by to chat about food fraud. And up first in today's country comment, Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture will talk about the weekly crop report. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture to discuss this week's crop report. Across Manitoba, we've seen some progress in all of our crops. Um, however, Growth progress has been limited in some ways by the high winds, uh, which has stressed out parts of the crop in in, uh, all regions of Manitoba, as well as those high winds contributing to a lack of good spray days to get those herbicide applications done. What did we see in terms of um, rain over the past week? It's been uh, widely varied. Uh, In the southeast and, and eastern part of the central region near Emerson, uh, we saw a undershower pass through on Monday evening, which has brought a lot of rain into that part of the province. Uh, for example, at, at Mendocino, there was 105 millimeters rain within the past week, uh, which has contributed to that part of the province receiving um, over 160% of the normal rainfall to date. So that has contributed to overland uh, flooding and, and crop and pasture being drowned out in those places as well as high water levels as that water drains from the area into the Red River. I guess overall, how has um, emergence been? You know, how are the crops uh, progressing here? Emergence has been uh, average for the most part. Um, Cereals emerged reasonably well. Oats struggled a little bit, particularly on some of the heavier clay soils where crusting was more of a concern. Canola emergence was good for the most part in the central region. But as you move north into the interlake, uh, canola emergence was a little bit more stagey with a lot of seed being stranded in dry soils, uh, causing some farmers to reseed just due to uneven crop, as well as free beetle cutworm or frost damage. Talk a little bit about uh, insects and, and disease and, and what we're seeing there. The insects of concern so far have been flea beetles and cutworms, and followed by grasshopper emergence in some parts of the province. Grasshopper and nymphs are starting to hatch and are being found on field margins and in ditches. So localized regional control has begun uh, for those pests in some areas. Diamondback moth larvae and armyworm traps are out and trap counts are low. However, we just encourage producers to keep checking what their local trap counts are and uh, it provides an indication of what could be in the field later on in the season. Give us a bit of an update on, on the southeast there. Crops already seeded in the worst affected areas have ground out. Uh, pastures and hayland remain flooded. So cattle that are out on pasture right now had to retreat to higher ground, and in some cases, pasture is running out, just simply due to a limited area for those livestock to graze on. Um, first cut hay will not be occurring in large parts of the illicit affected areas, uh, simply because fields are inaccessible and hay quality will be severely downgraded. Producers are looking at, uh, at supplementing cattle on pasture right now, and are looking to um, put in a green feed in later in July as uh, soils dry off, hopefully. Winter cereals, how are they looking? Uh, fall rye has now finished blooming uh, and has been sprayed for fusarium in some locations. Uh, winter wheat is just about to start heading out in most parts of the central region. So far, the winter cereals do look pretty good. Um, 
further north into the northern part of the central region in the Interlake, we have seen some winter cereals that have been severely damaged by some of those frosts from about two weeks ago and some of those cool temperatures um, down into the single digits, which may have hampered um, flower fertility. That was Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture discussing the weekly crop report. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. In the weekly crop reports, Manitoba Agriculture says strong winds have delayed herbicide applications on all crops. Crop staging is advancing with spraying ongoing for flea beetles, cutworms and grasshoppers. Reseeding of some canola and soybean crops continues where crop damages are excessive. Total seeding progress is about 97% complete. Selecting the right forage for your farm or ranch operation can be a challenge. Now producers have access to a new forage management tool. Julie McKenzie is the Forage UPEC project manager and says it's a new interactive tool for computers or mobile devices that looks at everything from forage selection to seeding rates and weed management. We know by matching forages to your field and your conditions and looking at what we've learned about forages over the last number of years, if a producer can increase your production and profitability even by you know, 0.1 tons an acre, you're looking at like another 16 tons of forage produced a year. The online tool can be found at upic.beefresearch.ca. And one of the positive things about the Western Canadian grain market right now is demand. Errol Anderson, president of Pro Market Communications, says the flax market is fairly solid. We're seeing these flax prices, you know, staying up and, and the new crop bids are, you know, in that 12, 13 or 13 or higher per bushel range. These are some pretty solid gains. He also expects to see more demand for pulses, especially coming out of India. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Wednesday, June 17th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler will discuss the Western Livestock Price Insurance Program. Livestock producers that were looking at buying insurance under the Western Livestock Price Insurance Program have noticed their premium rates jumped to even three times higher. In response, the Saskatchewan government announced $5 million last month to help producers deal with the increased premiums. And this week, the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association announced $1 million in funding to go along with the province's rebate program. This Thursday marks the final day for producers in Saskatchewan to purchase calf price insurance. Glenda Lee Allen Vosser chats with Saskatchewan's coordinator for WLPIP, Jody Griffin. With the increase in premiums, because of the volatility that we are seeing in the program, uh, some producers had maybe shied away from the program, but the province and the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association have stepped up to try to ease that burden for producers. Yes, they sure have, Glenda Lee, and we're very grateful for that. You know, the provincial government has offered to and is providing 40% of that increased premium cost that has come from the volatility that's been impacted by COVID-19. And then the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association announced their contribution of up to a million dollars to partner with the government of Saskatchewan in offsetting that COVID impact um, that the Western Livestock Price Insurance Program premiums have been feeling. So, you know, from the 40% that has that was announced by Minister Merritt on May 14th, and with a, an, this announcement from the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association, 
that's going to offset an additional 8% of that COVID-19 impact on premium. So definitely an assistance for our producers here in Saskatchewan exclusively to be able to access when they come in and purchase that coverage here this week. Now, this, this uh, I, I want to add as well that this rebate is um, retroactive to February 25th. So those who have purchased policies earlier are going to receive that benefit. And this rebate is going to stay in place until September 1st. And, you know, that assists for our other programs that we offer besides the CAFM program. That's our feeder coverage and our, our Fed coverage that we offer. And like I said, that'll be available till September 1st, um, which at that time, then the provincial government will reassess the situation. We publish the rebate uh, premium table every day that we publish the normal table. And that can be found on our fdic.ca website. So when producers are wanting to do that comparison and seeing what that rebate is, we do publish that every day. So this afternoon when the WLPIP premium table comes out, you go to that website to take a look at it. And then, you know, specific for our Saskatchewan producers, go on to Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation website and you can see what your rebate is going to be there as well. We don't have that 8% factored in as of yet from Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association just because that has just been announced but we will be coming out with that shortly. All your business can be conducted um, over the phone with our crop insurance offices. Premiums don't need to be paid up front and just give us a call and we're here to help you. That's Jody Griffin, the program coordinator for Saskatchewan with the Western Livestock Price Insurance Program. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. Fraud has become an issue in certain parts of the world since COVID-19 hit. I got the details from Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, a professor at Dalhousie University. There's been some reports of, uh, of uh, food fraud cases in Europe and Asia uh, over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, when, uh, when the world goes through uh, an, uh, an economic downturn, uh, some, some companies... Uh, uh, will be tempted to cut corners just because uh, either supplies are, are scarce for some ingredients or uh, the market is uh, is tighter and uh, and companies want to remain competitive as much as possible and so it becomes uh, it becomes an issue um, I wouldn't be surprised if it uh, if uh, if this phenomenon catches up to North America eventually and because we do import a lot of food from all over the world and so uh, we could actually see some cases uh, here in Canada. What are some ways that uh, they are cutting corners? Well there are three types of, uh, of uh, food fraud um, cases or categories. One is counterfeiting. Uh, that's an obvious one. It happens all the time. Even when the economy is actually doing very well it does happen with theft and, and things like that. Uh, the second one is uh, adulteration, uh, economically motivated adulteration, which would be to replace one ingredient with a cheaper one, um, uh, and, and not changing the label, obviously. Uh, mislabeling is, is always the outcome of, of food fraud, but of course, the, the way you do it will differ. The third type of food fraud is, 
is uh, misrepresentation. So you would sell, say, for example, a product uh, as uh, as organic when it's actually not, or perhaps you would sell a product that is local, but it's not, it was imported. Uh, so those are things that you see from time to time. But because people want to buy local, there's this temptation to actually sell products to marketplace that is that is more inclined to buy certain products more than others uh, just because of the pandemic and the context. Are there certain products that this affects more than others? Absolutely. Uh, fish and seafood have always been a problem, and uh, with food fraud, it, it, it remains as such, uh, whether there's COVID or not. Uh, but when it comes to adulteration, certainly anything that's liquid can be uh, deemed vulnerable, uh, oils, vinegars, wines, uh, spices as well. Spices are a problem. Uh, you can easily adulterate spices like tea, uh, uh, salt, uh, things like that, sugar even. So you got to be careful when you, uh, when you do that, uh, when you actually buy. The, the one thing you can do as a consumer is, is ask questions about auditing. Uh, because of COVID, uh, we do believe that some companies have decided to postpone or cancel audits. Uh, which obviously could allow some companies to cut corners. That was Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, a professor at Dalhousie University, talking about the issue of food fraud. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Verified Beef Production Plus webinars take place every Tuesday night starting at 7 o'clock. You can email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is now available online. Visit huntercourse.com to register. A Father's Day curbside barbecue fundraiser takes place this Sunday from 4.30 until 6.30 with proceeds going to the Provincial Exhibition of Manitoba. The cost is $20. Orders can be picked up at the Dome Building in Brandon. The deadline is Friday at noon. You can email info at provincialx.com. A webinar entitled The Value of Peer Groups for Farmers takes place June 18th starting at noon. You can register on the CAP website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon, Keystone Agricultural Producers is hosting a series of webinars. I got the details from Program Coordinator Taya Green. Like everyone, we've had to cancel lots of events that we had planned or were planning uh, for the spring and summer months, but we still know that farmers uh, really would like to have the most up-to-date information and are lifelong learners all the time, so we wanted to make uh, the information that we might get out across in other ways uh, out to farmers, and we've done that using webinars. We've had to take kind of a deep jump into the <laughs> end of the pool. We were looking at uh, different remote ways to get information to farmers, but the pandemic has pushed us in that direction a little bit faster, which has been great. Tell us a little bit about some of the uh, topics that will uh, be discussed here. Okay, well, we have a whole series. So we've been running these uh, since April. And then starting in May and June, we've been trying to have one or even two webinars a week. And they, they really go across a wide range of topics. So we've had webinars on uh, human resources and labor information, and we've got some really good ones coming up. We've had webinars on topics that would relate to 
farm safety and mental health, which have been really well subscribed to. We've had some on just introductions to EFP, so the Environmental Farm Plan, so anyone that was considering that or wanted more information about that could uh, get information there. And some that are more on uh, financial information, so some on the value of peer groups and some forecasts about what's happening in the long term in agriculture and food trends as a result of the pandemic. And I guess overall, you know, what's participation uh, been like? Participation has been varied. Uh, We know that we're offering these during farmers' really busy time. We're aware of that. Uh, And what we've done is we have uh, registration available, so you can actually come to the live event if you'd like. But those people who aren't able to come to the live event, if it doesn't work for their schedules, um, they can sign up and then they'll get a link to be able to watch the recorded webinar after the fact. And we're working really hard at CAP right now. We've just uh, developed our own YouTube channel. And we will be taking these webinars and populating them on our YouTube channel so that they're available for farmers whenever they'd like to watch them. So watch for that. We'll have an announcement coming up as we get that next step in place. The live webinars, when do they wrap up? Uh, we have our very last one planned uh, for, the, for, for this period on July 7th. But we probably have two per week uh, throughout the month of June, and we've got some great topics in there. If people would like more information, there's a complete list of the webinars at the bottom of CAP's main web page so that they could jump on and look and it's got all the links for registration as well if you'd like to register for any of them but we do have a, a good lineup of information from fatigue management tomorrow uh, some really good hr ones where we're bringing you the provincial and the national perspective so we've got someone from canadian agricultural human resources council coming to join us to provide that national perspective on how to hire during a pandemic and also what programs are available to farmers to support their labor needs during the pandemic. And we have a provincial specialist, Stephanie Crookshanks, also joining. So that's coming up on the 16th and the 23rd. We've got a great one from the Betkers. So Terry Betker and Gavin Betker over at Backswath Management are going to be talking about the value of peer groups and uh, why it might be beneficial for farmers to get involved with different peer groups for learning about management and farm transition. That was Taya Green with Keystone Agricultural Producers talking about their webinar series. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Forages can be a challenge to establish, but now farmers and ranchers have access to a new tool to help ensure forage varieties are well suited to their area. Forage U-Pick is a new interactive forage species selection tool for Western Canada. Here's project manager Julie McKenzie. It allows producers to go on a mobile device or their or their desktop and really look at forages that are suited to their farm and, and really down actually to the field level. The online tool can be found at upic.beefresearch.ca. And there's lots of COVID-impacted industries, including agriculture, as the livestock sector continues to be volatile while things look pretty good on the grain side. The president of pro-market communications, Errol Anderson, says flax prices are staying up and he believes we are at the top of the current trading range for canola. Canola will be sensitive to the Canadian dollar. The Canadian dollar did rise significantly. Uh, We went from around 72 cents right up to 75 cents recently. Uh, It did top out here on the Thursday market uh, with crude oil suddenly plunging about 10%. So we're following the direction of crude oil. Meantime, wheat markets are range-bound overall. The barley market may have topped out, but he expects good export demand may come from China. 
I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.